0: You know, what the Lord laid on my heart, it was confirmed wonderfully this morning by one of our precious sisters, Dawn, who's let out lots of whoops this morning, Dawn. I'm going to need you. We're going to co-preach this message this morning. Uh, But what the Lord laid on my heart was that, you know, as we're getting ready to ramp up for summer, I know it's not quite here yet, but... Whenever I get past Mother's Day and the celebrations and the flowers start coming out and everybody starts going crazy and people start graduating from college and then high school graduates are just down the road. Any, any high school students excited to be out of school here in like a matter of weeks? Jason, I was expecting more from you. Wake up my son down there in the front row. I have a graduate this year. We got some other graduates. We got college graduates that are popping out of the woodwork. And how many of you know? Right on the heels of that, the weather starts breaking. Praise the Lord, and we start doing cookouts. We start doing all the stuff that's so awesome about summer, including as Aaron pointed out, vacations and all that good stuff. Um, I love summertime. I love I love being outside. I love working with my hands. I love getting in the yard. Uh, I love doing all that stuff uh, that's associated with summer. But as Aaron pointed out, wouldn't it be great if we directed our focus this summer on knowing people, on loving people, and on serving people in Jesus' name? and see what would happen if we did so. So I want you to open up your Bibles this morning. This message is very, very practical. Uh, I mean, really, really practical. In fact, I'm going to have a homework assignment for you at the end, so hold on, we're not out of school yet. All right, Luke chapter 10. I want us to look uh, at beginning in verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And you can read along on the screen, or if you brought your Bible or electronic device, you can follow along with me as well. Um, it says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? Have you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, Right. He says, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, the Bible tells us, so he asked Jesus a second question. Here's the question he asked him on top of that one. He said, and who is my neighbor? Uh, isn't it interesting that Jesus in this encounter, he's, he's talking with a religious or a uh, a lawyer by trade who happens to be a religious expert. And I wanted to caution you on religious experts. There's a great definition I came across of expert. Maybe you've heard it. I like this. An expert is one who knows more and more about less and less until he knows absolutely everything about nothing. Um, This is an ironic passage here because I want you to get the scene with me. This man who claims to be an expert at the law is standing face to face with the full embodiment of the law, the only one who knows the law perfectly and kept it perfectly, Jesus Christ. Some of you know who's the real expert here. The real expert is Jesus, and I want to caution you, don't ever refer to me, not that any of you will ever be tempted to do this, but don't ever refer to me as an expert in anything, uh, because how many you know as soon as we take on the expert label, there's something that happens that this pride thing creeps in our heart, Right? And when pride creeps in your heart, you think you're the end all of knowledge or you're the, you're the expert on whatever that is that you're supposed to be expert of. And as soon as you get in that position, there's this blindness that comes over us, this blind spot. And we stop receiving from people and we stop being teachable. And certainly this man right here, uh, and I, you know, I, I may appreciate good lawyers, okay? We got, a, we got good lawyers in our church here. Thank God for good lawyers. But I do have a lawyer joke this morning that I have to share. Don't any of our lawyers or legal people take offense, okay? But here's my joke. And please laugh when I share the joke. (laughs) What is the difference between a lawyer and God? God doesn't think he's a lawyer. Let that one sink in. I had, a, I had a belated burst of laughter first service when it finally connected the dots. All right. Anyway, I thought it was a good joke. All right, Thank you all for humoring me on that. But anyway, how many of you know this lawyer is as second strike against him and then he has impure motives? The Bible says he comes to Jesus not to ask a question for the purpose of gaining knowledge, but to question. How many of you know there's a difference when we come to somebody if we're asking a question or we're questioning? Questioning implies that we're, we have a, a hidden agenda. We're out to prove them wrong. We're out to show them up or whatever. This man was questioning Jesus, uh, and he asked Jesus actually he asked him a really good question. In fact, I don't know that there's a question that's more important for us to, to discuss this morning. How I many of you know this is a great question that we all should, should pay close attention to? What must I do to inherit eternal life? I just want to pause right there. I mean, you know, there's no greater question any of us can ask that question right there. There's no weightier question. There's no question of greater importance to answer to have the right answer to than that question. Because how many of you know eternity is a really, really long time? And you want to have the right answer to that question. You want to make sure that you're spending eternity with Jesus Christ. So here we have a religious expert, an attorney, questioning Jesus for the purpose of testing him. This is his presenting question. And Jesus, as he often does ask a question in return. He doesn't give him an answer. He asks a question. Jesus was the master at this. Jesus says, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? In other words, he says, what does the great lawgiver Moses teach? And he's asking this lawyer if he's done his homework. He says, are you caught up on your reading? Have you been in the law lately? Have you been reading your books so that you can give me the right answer? And this guy is sharp. He is an expert. He's sharp. He first of all answers Jesus' question, uh, his own question: "What must I do to inherit li- eternal life?" He first quotes Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five, which says, "This you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength and all of your mind." And then, for extra credit, he adds Leviticus nineteen eighteen, and he says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." How I many of you know attorneys are smart people? They've had to take lots of tests. And I'm sure when this attorney nails the answer to this question, and Jesus basically says in the next verse, he says, Right, correct. He says, Do this and you will live. I mean, at this point, this attorney's going, Yeah, I aced another exam. I took another exam in front of Jesus himself. I passed the test. But I want you to see something powerful, first of all, in this interaction here with Jesus. Notice Jesus says this. He says, Do this. Notice this, not these. Jesus Jesus is listening to him share both of these passages of Scripture and in the mind of Christ, those two commandments are boiled down into one great commandment. The great commandment is this, for all of us, love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and then love our neighbor as ourselves. That is one commandment in Jesus' mind. He says, do this. I mean, you know, here's the other interesting part with Jesus. He didn't just say, right, good answer. Jesus said, do it. Herein lies the problem for us, is it not the case? I mean, you know, this guy is looking for a pathway to eternal life, and I just want you to know this morning, if you're looking for a pathway to eternal life, something that we can achieve on the basis of our own goodness, this man should not have been standing with a big grin on his face like he passed the test. This guy should have been laying prostrate before Jesus, begging for mercy. Let me explain why. I'm going to ask you all a question this morning. How many of you in this room, we can raise your hands. How many of you in this room, every second of every minute of every hour of every day of your life, have loved Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Please stand up. We'd like to worship you. How I many of you know we're all guilty, right? How I many of you know we get excited if we, if we have one great moment? Like during worship, we raise our hands. We're, yes, Lord, we love you. And you have that moment of full surrender. And the only problem is we haven't interacted with anybody. We haven't had to go out to work. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But we had this one little moment in time where we love Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, um, but I mean, know, that's a blip on the radar. We need Jesus to love Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the point is none of us can do it by ourselves. And let me just compound the problem. How many of you have loved your neighbor perfectly like you love yourself? You know, I've heard people completely twist this passage of Scripture and say things like this. You know, you'll never be able to love God unless you love yourself. And what they mean by that is unless you have a healthy self-image and a healthy self-esteem and you love yourself and you think you're great, you're never going to be able to love God the way that, that, uh, that He deserves to be loved. Okay, let me just tell you something. That's a bunch of nonsense. All of you, by nature, love yourself. In fact, that's the problem, not the solution. When Jesus is saying, you need to love your neighbor like you love you, he's assuming that you're already, and I'm already, thoroughly self-absorbed. Because, trust me, I'm going to take care of me. As soon as we leave church today, I'm going to go home like you are. I'm going to eat. Come on. Aaron's already talking. He's already thinking about the the banana bread with the nuts. He's going for it, all right? We don't need to be taught how to love ourselves. We do it naturally. How about this? Even when we're having pity parties and we're feeling sorry for ourselves or we got this false humility thing, oh, we're still loving ourselves. It's still all about me. You know, I'm the martyr. No, really, you eat all the banana bread, seriously. You guys go first, I'll be the martyr it's still all about me. I'm just, I'm just wallowing in my martyrdom now. Please feel sorry for me and think I'm a great guy and I'm a selfless servant. Please, please. See, the, the fact of the matter is this guy got the right answer, but he was so blind he didn't realize that the right answer was the bad answer. He should have been falling on his face and saying, God, have mercy on me, because if that's the way to inherit eternal life, it's hopeless on my own. It's hopeless. So here, I want you to feel the weight of this. Jesus just boiled down all of the law into one commandment. He just boiled all of it down. And how I many of you know, I appreciate simplicity. Amen. Most guys out there should say, hallelujah, amen. I mean, we're married to our wives. Just tell us straight the way it is. No beating around the bush. Honey, I need you to do this. Okay, I got it. Honey, when you talk that way, I don't like it it makes me feel like this. Got it. I don't want candy for Mother's Day. I would prefer flowers. Got it. I mean, this is really simple. Guys need it straight. We're not rocket scientists, most of us, or attorneys. We need it straight. (coughs) So Jesus boils it all down for us. Isn't that great? And he says this, make me the blazing center of your affections, And then love your neighbor like you already love yourself. Got it. All right. How many of you got it? All right. We got it. It's right there. Let's go for it now. Jesus said, do this. And when you do it, not acknowledge it, not believe in it. But when you do it, when you put feet to it, then you're living the life that Jesus intended us to live. But here's the problem. This guy didn't like that answer when it came right out. And I want you to see what he does. Jesus, he asked Jesus a question. Jesus asked him a question. And now he's going to ask Jesus another question. Now, why do we keep asking questions? Because guess what? We're trying to justify our lifestyle. And this guy is a master at it. So he asked Jesus another question. Here's the question he asked. The man, that says, wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, one thing that you all know about law is anything in life that involves a lawyer or involves legal language is not something you're going to take on your vacation for light reading. Are you with me? Anybody ever buy a house? Any realtors out there, all right? I remember when Marion and I bought our house, I, mean, I thought I was the president of the universe. I was that important because you know what happens? They bring out this stack of documents that's like this thick, and they give you a pen, and you're like, hey, fill out this one and this one and I'm like what am I signing and then you look at your realtor and they do something like this if Dawn was my realtor I'd be like what is this one and she would say something like this it's okay it just tells the bank this oh okay what's this one it's okay what that's saying is we have to report x y and z okay how many of you know your realtor at that moment is really really important because let me just tell you something you are not going to read all those documents. You would rather have 5 root canals at the same time than read those documents. Because those documents are written by lawyers. And lawyers don't write good novels, at least most of them, all right? They're not lawyers don't write things you read for fun. Lawyers write things that you read to hurt you. All right? <laughs> lawyers are all about words. Well, what does that mean? What does that word mean mean? I'm gonna give you four paragraphs of legalese to describe what that means. And by the time you read what mean means, you're mean, you wanna kill somebody, you wanna hurt somebody. So this is a lawyer. And when he, Jesus says, yeah, do that. This wasn't rocket science. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor like you already love yourself. He skips over the whole first part of that. How many of you know love love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? That's kind of big. But this lawyer glosses right over that part, and he says this. What does neighbor mean? I mean, that's a bad question. When God calls you to love your neighbor, and you're looking for a legal loophole, here's what the guy was saying. What are the boundaries of my requirements to love my neighbor? Is it two houses over? Is it my neighbor across the street? Can I just love the nice neighbors? Or do I have to love the mean neighbors? He's looking for a legal loophole to get out of the great command. Have any of you ever been there? How many of you know when you're asking God questions like, well, how much do I need to love them? You're already in big trouble. (laughs) How long do I need to love them? Do I really, really need to love them? How do you define love? How do you define them? I mean, this is a wicked, wicked heart. How many no politicians are good at this? Did you do a? What do you mean by a? Did you do a? What do you mean by do? I mean, only attorneys get in these kinds of discussions. Normal people just go, "What is the matter with that person?" All right what is the matter with that person? This guy is being a good attorney. He's looking at the fine print and trying to figure out what it means to be a neighbor. Here's the problem. Jesus goes on and he tells a little parable. You all know what it's called, the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm not going to get into that this morning, but short version. A Jewish man's attacked. He's left for dead in the the gutter. Basically, he's robbed Two people come by. First of all, the priest walks to the other side. Then comes a Levi, another religious worker, walks to the other side, ignores him. And in the parable, Jesus tells a despised Samaritan, stops, cares for this man, ministers to his wounds, puts him up at his own expense and says, whatever other expenses that you incur, I will pick up those expenses. And Jesus asks the question, who is the neighbor? And the answer to that question is pretty profound. The neighbor is the one who shows mercy and compassion. That's what it means to be a neighbor. But I want us to stop right here because I want us to ask the question this morning, who is, personalize it, who is my neighbor? Say that with me. Who is my neighbor? Let's emphasize my. Who is my neighbor? That's the question we want to ask today. How many of you know sometimes, like we say, we can talk about missions and our Pastor Dick can talk about, you know, fulfilling the great commission, making the great com- uh, commission, the great completion. Uh, these are all great slogans. We all get it. But how many of you know if, if you're called to reach the world, many times you'll reach no one because the goal is so big and so broad and so unmanageable that we can't really get our brains around it. How many of you know it's the same way? If we're called to love our neighbor, the question becomes, who's, our, who's my neighbor? Well, my neighbor is everybody in the world. Well, if your neighbor is everybody in the world, let me just tell you, you're not going to love any of them very well. So that's the problem. We focus on the macro commandment, but we miss sometimes the micro uh, step right in front of us, the person that God wants us to love that's right in front of us. A lot of times we listen to this commandment from a metaphorical sense, but we don't do anything or we do very little in a practical sense to fulfill this commandment. And so this is my challenge to us this morning. Now I'm going to get really, really practical. What would happen if everybody in this room made a very intentional effort to simply love the neighbors that God has placed right around you, that are right in your world, right in your face every single day? What would happen this summer as we get ready to ramp up into a uh, summer that's just around the corner, and that's why I'm doing it as a ramp up to summer, but what would happen if we really, over the next few weeks, uh, began to focus on the people in closest proximity to us, in our very neighborhood, and we began to say, Jesus, what are you wanting me to do to love and to connect and to know my neighbors this summer in a very practical, tangible way? Now, certainly your neighbors include your coworkers. Your, your neighbors are the people that play on your kids' sports teams, your neighbors are the people you run into at Strack and Van Til or Jewel or wherever you go shop for your groceries, those are all neighbors. Our neighbors are people we meet on missions trips on the other side of the world, those are all neighbors. But I want you to take a look at something in your bulletin that we inserted for you. Everybody pull out of your bulletin the who is my neighbor card, all right? And I want to show you, as you're looking at that, I want to show you a short little video clip here that helps explain the challenge that I'm going to place before us over the next uh, four four to six weeks. Go ahead, if you would, Julian. This is your house. These are your neighbor's houses. How many of these neighbors do you know by name? Go ahead, try to name them. If you're like most people these days, you probably only know a few of your neighbors by name. We have garages for our cars, privacy fences for our backyards, and we seem to be perpetually busy. You're doing pretty well if you wave or say hi as you're passing by. But what if we did more? What if we made it a point to learn the names of the people who live on our block? What if we took the time to listen to our neighbors and find out what makes them tick? What if our neighborhoods relied on each other in times of need, whether it be for a cup of flour or a shoulder to cry on? What if Jesus really meant to love your neighbor? All right, take that out. And everybody lives in a different neighborhood. I get that. Some of you have been in your house for years and years and years and years, and you might know the people around you pretty well. Some of you might be brand new to the community and, and you don't really know your neighbors that well. Some of you may have been around a while, but you still don't know your neighbors because it, you know, being uh, here in Indiana, uh, I don't even see my neighbors for at least three to four months out of the year till everything thaws out and everybody comes out. You know, looking like they're crawling out of a hole. Right? Is that the way it is with your neighbors? I know that I, I haven't seen my neighbor to our left until at least gets to be seventy degrees, and I see her. All right. Um, and so some of you are in busy cul-de-sacs with lots of activity. Some of you might live in a rural setting. There might not be a lot of neighbors around you. Some of you might live in an apartment complex. You got neighbors everywhere. Um, I don't know what your scenario is, but this is going to be the assignment, the task before us, is if you could take this, and by the way, next week I have something very fun for all of you. I have a, I have a refrigerator uh, magnet that looks just like this so every time you go to open up that refrigerator you're going to be reminded I need to go love my neighbor as I'm getting ready to eat this banana bread or whatever it is that you're eating but here's the deal how many of you out of how many of you could identify eight neighbors uh immediately around you right now without too much thought I mean there's eight people you could that house that house that house all right you're living most people live in a neighborhood like that how many of you know all eight of your neighbors by name all right anybody all right awesome How many of you don't know any of your neighbors by name? Not a one of them, okay? That's not unusual. Um, We had someone here this morning who uh, just new to the community. They don't know anybody. Um, How many of you think it's important to know your neighbors? How many of you think getting to know your neighbors might be a way to bridge a relational gap there that might allow you just to love them in Jesus' name better and uh, and to be involved in their lives. And so here's what I want you to do. If you, on on mine, I wrote the letters A, B, C. A colon, B colon, C colon, all right? Here's what what our assignment is as we ramp up to the summer months, all right? Um, On the letter A, that's simply getting to know somebody's name. What is their name? And uh, that's pretty easy. You just kind of go over and say, hey, I'm your neighbor. In fact, I'm gonna do this. We have a guy that moved in across the street for us to the left. He's been in for a while. Marion ran into him one day outside, and she said hi, but I haven't had a chance to connect with him, all right? So here's what's going to happen. Go knock on the door. Maybe you take over some a baked good if you like to bake. Uh, one of my love languages, I like to work out in the yard, so I'm always liking flowers and perennials and all that kind of stuff um, that you can give. It's always nice to bring a gift. I bet you don't have to. Bring your family, bring your dog. I don't know what you want to bring, but knock on the door. And you just simply say, hey, we're Ron and Marion and Johnson. We just live three houses down. We haven't had a chance to come over and say hello yet. Uh, oh, you're so and so. Glad to meet you. Uh, we just want to, here's it we just want to do a better job of neighboring. We want to know our neighbors, and we want to do a better job of loving and caring for the people right around us. Thanks so much for your time. We'll see you later. Have a great summer. Hope we can connect over the summer. Um, Something as simple as that. It's just simply going out of your way to get their name. Now, letter B takes it a little bit deeper, all right? Letter B gets into something uh, that's a little more relevant about them that you could not find out simply by standing in your driveway and looking across the streets. For instance, let me give you a couple ideas. This could include their um, uh, uh, here we did it, uh, uh, where they grew up, maybe where they're from originally, maybe they grew up in Idaho, maybe they're a lawyer by trade, maybe they love to play golf, maybe they're from a foreign country, maybe they're from Ethiopia, maybe they had a father that was in World War II. In other words, you're going a little bit deeper. Now we spend some time to have a few more conversations, and more things have come out, and you know some things that you would not be able to know just from the surface. So that's the letter B. And then letter C, this gets to be really fun. This is more in depth information that comes out in the normal flow of relating. For instance, um, what are their career plans, or what are their dreams? Maybe they have a dream of starting a family, or anything that has to do with purpose in their lives. What motivates them to do what they do? What's their view of God? What do they fear the most? What are their spiritual beliefs and practices? In other words, what are some meaningful things that you've learned about them just simply from interacting with them? How many of you know if you find out a certain interest or something that they have, a great way is to connect around that interest, uh, to bring them something that maybe falls under that heading or category. But it's being Practical. Now, I, you know, we've been in our neighborhood for some time. We know the names of most of our, of our neighbors. Uh, my neighbor to the left, Marguerite, she just, this past year, she lost her husband. Um, it's been a rough, rough year for her. One of the things we talked about doing is getting Marion and her mother together with Marguerite on our back porch this summer when the weather's nice. Uh, and we found out from her daughter uh, that she loves coffee, all right? So uh, we talked about being intentional about getting her over, having coffee, and just connecting with her. She's in her late 80s, early 90s. Uh, she's had a, a really, really rough year. If Jesus says, love your neighbor, I mean, you know, that's a really great place for me to start. She's right next door, and, uh, and she needs love, and she needs encouragement. Um, our neighbor across the street, Tammy, amazing lady. Gratefully, she's been plugged in with us here at Living Stones. Uh, she and her daughter have had amazing breakthrough this last year, but I know it's because over the years we've, we've stayed in, in connection and in relationship. We had another man in our first service. His name's Kevin. He's, he's a little bit farther neighbor. He lives two streets down, but he came here on Easter and gave his life to Jesus. He's been worshiping with us ever since. I mean, you know, it's really cool when your neighbors become your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so the point is, I want to make it real clear, this is not an evangelistic assignment this summer. This is an assignment to obey the great commandment. This is an assignment to love people. This is an assignment to take care of our neighbors. And how many of you know you can't take care of a neighbor that you don't know their name? Now I just got to tell you a little story about Marguerite and about some of our neighbors we, we've met in some interesting ways. Um, when we first moved in over here, they, they owned the, all this property that the church is built on. And they they, they like to do gardening as well. And on the I guess it's the south side of their house, they they planted poppies. Any of you grow poppies? They're really beautiful, bright orange flowers, little black centers. They're really awesome. All right, but poppies are the most unique things when they're growing. They, they're, the heads on the poppies look like aliens. And then all of a sudden they bloom, and this bright orange thing comes out of them, all right? You know what I'm talking about, Andy? You're tracking with me. Poppies. But they're weird. They got these, they, then they have these twisty little, Stems and, then, and my son Ronnie was just fascinated by these poppies, although he didn't know. He probably thought they were aliens. He didn't know what they were. So he went over to the neighbor's house and harvested the heads off of all of the poppies. And then he had them in his shirt. He was so excited. He came back over. He was so excited with this treasure trove of poppies. And I took one look, and I just gasped. I was like, no, Because, you know, if you like things that bloom, right, you don't want to harvest them right before they bloom. Like, you never want to prune your, I'm just helping you guys out, you never want to prune your lilacs when they're purple, all right? It's not the time to prune them. You wait for them to bloom, right? All right, so we walked over to the neighbor's house with a shirt full of poppies, and we're like, We're sorry. We're the worst neighbors in the world. We'll try to make it up to you. You know, oh, my goodness. And they were so gracious. But then I had another time. My son, Joel, he's out in the backyard, and all of a sudden this neighbor drives by our house, jumps out, knocks on the door. Hi, how you doing? Good. Hey, something hit my van, the van that I just bought, the van that still smells new, the van with the sticker still on the window. Are any of your kids out playing in the yard? No, not my my kids. It almost sounded like a
1: golf ball.
0: Then I start putting, you know what? I said, I will check and get back to you. There is a white streak on the side of her van. I walk in the backyard, and Joel has this look like. Now, how many of you have ever given this lecture to your kids? Do not hit the golf ball toward the house or anybody else's house for that matter. But he's out here in this field, and how many of you know when you're a rookie, most of the time when you hit the golf ball, you miss it anyway. But there's that one moment when you are like a pro, and he had that moment. He was out in the middle of the field. Whack! it clears the whole side of the Johnson house, lands in the front yard, one bounces, and hit the lady's van on a one bounce. I mean, it was a beautiful shot, beautiful shot. <laughs> Except there were no prizes for that shot, like a million dollar prize, hit the van. No, no, none of that. So I remember walking with my son down to the neighbor's house, and it was a, it was one of those character building moments for Joel, because he had to apologize to the lady, and then we had to say, look, we... We will do whatever it takes to make your van right. Well, he started bawling and she hugged him. Honey, that's okay. And God took a horrible situation and turned it into a relationship building situation, all because we were willing to go neighbor correctly after we had neighbored incorrectly. I don't know what your neighbors are like. I don't know what horror stories you have, but the longer you're in any place, the more opportunity you have for these kinds of stories, okay? Um, I met a lady this morning who said, yeah, we met our neighbors because their dog kept jumping over the fence and chasing my dog, and then the cats came from the other side. And this is usually how we meet, okay? This is, this is the way life is. She's got cats that climb up something in her house, and they're in her ceiling. You know, That's a great way to meet your neighbor, all right? Your cat's running across your drywall in your dining room. Anyway, um, there's all kinds of ways we meet our neighbors. But nevertheless, the point is we need to be intentional about loving the people right next to us. So let me give you some practical things here that we need to do this week. And I told you this is going to be so, so practical. This is not like one of those inspirational up here messages. This is like right in our, in our grill. First of all, let's be specific about learning our neighbor's name and writing it down. Like we've got some ladies right to the right. It's a couple of elderly ladies, sisters that have lived in the same house for years. I can see them. I recognize them. I say hi to them. I do not know their name from Adam, but I am going to go and get their names and just say, hey, we got a house full of kids, not hopefully with golf clubs, but with shovels or rakes or whatever. If you need any help, we would love to help you because they're getting up there in age. All right? This is good. Spend more time in your front yard instead of your backyard. Now, this is where Dawn comes in, because Dawn, come on, you can you can stand up and tell this story better than I can. Dawn comes in today. She knows nothing about the message, and she's all excited about a turquoise something, table. Yeah. turquoise table. Yeah. Tell everybody. This well, is pretty cool. Well, your sweet mama was telling me that, you know, what the message was about today, and I just And this week on Facebook posted about front yard people. And there is a movement and a lady who's written a book called The Turquoise Table. And she took her old junkie picnic table from the backyard, painted it a cool turquoise color, and put it out front. And so now when people walk by, she's sipping lemonade. She can meet the neighbors, the dog walking people, and I'm I'm going to do that. I, I don't have a picnic table, but I've got a cute... going to buy one, though. He we're going to get a cute table for the front porch, because there's so many people in the neighborhood, and, and the hashtag is, those of you that are social media, is front yard people, and I love the idea of it. There's a book called The Turquoise Table. You can look at my Facebook page, and but there's so information. that's so simple. Most of the time, we're in our backyard. It's yeah. private. Yeah. We like the privacy. Right. And not that everybody needs to move tables, a, but that's a no. simple way. But just to do more things, like some of you play the bag game, you know, right, whatever. Right, right, or, or just put your chair out front, read a book. Right. It's amazing how many people will go by that you will see or they will talk to you just because you're not, you know, in the backyard. You're in the front yard. So, Has, hashtag front yard people. Okay, I want a testimony from this when you guys get the <laughs> turquoise table. All right, so that's a simple thing. Let me give you another simple thing. If you look up on the, uh, on the screen, how many of you your kids are your secret weapon? well they kind of can be your secret weapon if they're not hitting golf balls off cars or stuff like that but when you come over with an arm some of you have little kids and you're and you know most people unless they're demonized will not open the door and go ah oh, lady with a bunch of kids eh, and slam the door in your face most people will smile kids have a way of disarming us right uh, we're usually we we don't act rudely in front of our children now some of us have neighbors I'm pastor Dick I remember Bless your heart. Some neighbors in your neck of the woods that you and lovely Susie tried to embrace and befriend, and they were just—they just needed Jesus. How I many you know some people just need Jesus? They're not nice. My son was out just yesterday. I, I, you know, we got to sell two hundred fifty. You guys can help me with this, by the way. We got to sell two hundred fifty dollars worth of these cards for his baseball team. I said, get out there and sell those cards. Your dad's not footing this bill—two hundred fifty dollar bill. Get out and sell those cards. I said, how'd it go? He came back. He had some success, uh, but he said, you know, I went to so-and-so's house. They opened up the door, took one look at me, and said, I don't think so, and slammed the door. <laughs> I'm like, all right, now what'd you learn from that, okay? You don't want to be that way, do you? That's not a way to win friends and influence people, all right? They don't do that. So, I mean, you know, you got to be a good neighbor and model being a good neighbor, and most of the time, kids have an amazing way of disarming people, so let, let the kids carry the cookies, When you're going to the neighbor and they get to meet your family and and most people don't think if a kid's handing them cookies, ah, those are laced with poison. No, they don't think that way. Now, if I did it, they'd be like, what's the bald guy with the gray beard? he throw those in the garbage. They got poison in them. But no, kids can get away you know, you ladies, I mean, people aren't that way with ladies, that's what I'm saying, if I walk up to somebody at the supermarket, hey, and it happens to be somebody of the opposite sex, they're like, ah, you know, they're running the opposite direction, but women can get away with this, it's great, you can be friends with lots of people, it's not the same stigma, all right, so I'm encouraging you, ladies, kids, go out, love on people, um, invite a couple over for dinner from your neighborhood, have them come over for a cookout or whatever, I like this next one, this is really good, Ask a neighbor for help. Now I got to tell you another story. I'm out in my backyard. I'm splitting wood. Uh, they had, Joel cut them into little pieces like this, nice round, but they were little because I wanted to burn them in my little um, my, my patio uh, fire pit thing. So I didn't want really long pieces, just little pieces. So I'm looking, of course, for my long handled axe, which is nowhere to be found. So I found a small handle axe about that big it looked like a tinker toy and I went out in the backyard and I am whacking this wood with this tinker toy axe and how many of you know you're, sometimes if you're just pathetic it's great for neighboring because my neighbor next door is watching me I didn't realize he's watching me he, maybe he pulled his wife over had family over it was, I'm sure it was enjoyable to watch the pastor with his tinker toy axe splitting wood But hey, it's all I had. All of a sudden, he comes out with this mother of all axes. He also has a garage that's cleaner than my bedroom floor, all right? (laughs) He brings this axe out with the rubber thing still attached to the end. Probably has a serial number on the side and a spot in his garage where it goes. Some of you are those people. I'm talking to you right now. I love you. I'm not those people, but I love you, all right? He brings this massive ax over, and, I, and he says, this, I think this will help you. I'm like, oh, let me hug you, all right? So then I feel like a real man. Whoa. I'm splitting wood and all this kind of stuff, but I just want to say this. If you are pathetic, like I am, it's a great bridge to neighbors. They feel sorry for you. They look at you like, what is the guy doing? Let's go help the guy out. Now, fortunately, my 87-year-old neighbor has not brought any tools out yet for me, um, but she probably could help me out in a lot of areas. My point is this. Sometimes it's okay to ask for help to neighbors who may or may not know Christ or may or may not uh, you know, be all that close to you, but that's, that's a pathway, again, to build some bridges with people and get people involved in your life, serving together, uh, all kinds of things like that. So here's, here's my point. I'm gonna end with the last slide right here. And I'm cutting you loose. Go to that last slide. We want to move people from strangers to acquaintances to relationships. And I'll share one last story. I was out with one of our brothers here this week. We had breakfast together. We went to a restaurant here in town. And um, I mean, you know, if you're really intentional about where you shop, where you bank, uh, where you buy gasoline for your vehicle, if you're intentional about it and you just don't you know, do the swipe thing or whatever. Like at my bank, I very seldom drive through at my bank because it's the one place where I'm a rock star. I walk in there. <laughs> Ladies, how are you? just here to, it's all good. The bank's safe. I'm here to deposit my money. It's all good. You guys are going to be able to stay afloat for another week, all right. No, I walk in, I have relationships with all those tellers in there. And I prefer to go in and say hi Uh, because I'm building relationships with them. How many of you know relationships are like really important? They're really important to the Lord, and they're really important to us. So I'm out at this restaurant with a brother from our church this week, and the waitress walks up to our table with tears in her eyes, and she hands me a slip of paper with somebody's name on it, and she says, would you pray for her? Now she breaks down, she's crying. This is my best friend in the whole wide world. She has to have brain surgery this week. Um, and uh, would you would you please pray for her? Now, the reason she did that is because we moved from strangers to acquaintances to relationships. See, I'm telling you, you guys can eat breakfast for the glory of God. This could be a ministry. You say, honey, seriously, I got to go out and eat breakfast. It's for the kingdom, all right? You build relationships with people, and then somebody walks up to you at work in the restaurant with a prayer request. So, me and the other brother happened to be Matt Sidoras. We said, Hey, you know what? We want to pray for you right now. Is that okay? And she said, That would be great. And right there in the restaurant, we joined hands and we prayed for this lady, her dear friend. And she knows I'm a pastor here. Mom and dad go in there and love on her all the time. Mom and Pop uh, Reeves go in there and love on this lady all the time. We like to do family pile ups, you know? We like to do like kamikaze. All right, you get her on Monday, we'll get her on Tuesday. You guys take Thursday. And I mean, you know, when when you do that over time, people really get to know you and get impacted by your life and you have an opportunity to go deeper. That would have been one of those level C issues. I know the lady's name. I know the issue. She's got a friend dealing with this. We've prayed together. I mean, you know, we went from A to B to C in that relationship. That's what I want to challenge you and me. I've got work to do with the neighborhood here and your neighborhood where you live that we would take this seriously. And over the next, say, four to six weeks, you would begin to intentionally simply go after your neighbors just to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ in some way, just to get to know them, just to connect with them. And and here's the cool thing. As that happens and trust begins to develop, you're going to find ways that they're going to end up being a blessing to you. And you're going to find ways where you're going to be able to be a tremendous blessing to them. Let's move from the stranger to the relationship. Let's move from We don't know anybody on our street. Do we know everybody on our street? And they've all experienced our family or or, or you personally, and they've been touched by you. uh, And they know that, hey, if they need anything, how about something as simple as this? If you ever need anything, we're two houses away or we're just down the street. Please let us know. We just want to be good neighbors. What would happen just in our church family? Can anybody dream with me? What would happen if we just began to do this systematically all across wherever all of us live over the next six weeks? I think there'd be a lot of opportunity to really love and touch people in a significant way and perhaps even to lead some people in the most significant way to a relationship with Jesus Christ just because they've experienced our love. So here's what I want you to do. If you want to take the challenge with me, hop to your feet. And I want you to get that card out and I want to pray over this with you right now. Let's believe God for supernatural opportunities. Move that picnic table to the front yard. Uh, run around the neighborhood with your kids. Uh, bake some cool stuff, buy some flowers, do whatever it takes. But let's lift our card up to the Lord and let's just pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we hold this as a tangible uh, sign of our faith in you. Lord, you put us here in our neighborhood, in our houses, in the city that we live in for such a time as this. It says Aaron read that passage from Acts 17. None of this is an accident. We are living exactly at this time where you want us to live. There are people and assignments and things you want us to accomplish right where we're at. In fact, I just want to say this too. There are some of you that could take one of these and fill it out in your workplace because there's eight people that you work with every single day that God wants you to to be intentional about loving as your neighbors. And you could fill one of these out for for your workplace as well as for your home. But, Lord, we're, we're believing that you're going to open up opportunity after opportunity for us to demonstrate in a tangible way the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that relationships might deepen, that the, that the health of our community would strengthen as a result of this. And, Lord, we pray that many people would find hope and find healing because of the body of Christ right here at Living Stones that's simply carrying out the great commandment. Jesus, help us to love you with everything in us, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Lord, we do this all to the glory of your great name, and we pray your blessing on this little assignment now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.